Max RPG Podcast. I'm in Max, 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 Pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon. Why, hello, and welcome to Season 26, Episode 14 of Happy Jacks RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Tappy. This is Jameson. And ja- you haven't been on you haven't been on the Friday show before, have you, Jameson? I've been on twice before, but it's been like several years, like three or four years since oh, okay. last time I was on. Okay. I did, I and has anybody shouted not the Jameson? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, hi, everyone. Uh, in this episode of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, Chris from New Jersey asks how a GM who is not an actor can make NPCs seem real. Erica Odd writes in with an RPG question taken from real life. And Nick sends us an audio message, which I think I will be able to play, um, about supporting the RPG hobby. But first, if you'd like to email us, you can email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. We have a forum, happyjacksforum.com. That's happyjacksforum.com. And we're on all of the social medias. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and MeWe. Happyjacksrpg, all one word. Go there. And like us because it does does something i don't know or else these kids and their social medias all right uh oh and if you'd like to watch so live you can go to happyjacks.org slash live on fridays at 702 p.m pacific daylight time and see us live and um that's it that's all you can also watch all of our all of our actual plays live then when they're on when they're live obviously you can't watch them when they're not on hi all right um (laughs) all right a real trick when they do yes all right making npcs seem real i'll let you guys read these two emails and i'll just then i'll just play the the third one so who would like to read the first email from uh chris in new jersey i can dig it okay cool because i was trying to figure out how to like open a window (laughs) Well, that will buy you some time. <laughs> All right. Hi-ho, Jackers. I found your podcast sometime last week and have since burned through a staggering number of episodes. I just finished season 25, at 25 as of writing this. Quarantine. Am I right? Right. I write to you because I just, I've just started a masks campaign, and by my read of it, uh, that system really benefits from a strong cast of well-characterized NPCs. Question. What can I, a non-actor with minimal experience, do to portray my characters in a way that players will connect with? Answer in the form of bulleted list if possible. Many thanks, Chris from NJ. P.S. I have tried incorporating some of the advice you gave on fleshing out locations, like condensing characters to single sentences and or thinking of details which suggest but don't outright reveal things about characters to mixed success in various one-shots but I'm still nervous about results in a longer campaign. PPS, imbibe. I don't have any to drink. I'm fighting to stay awake, so it is going to be Red Bulls. (laughs) 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 All right, so how can Um, a non-actor with minimal experience, what can they do to portray a character in a way that the players will connect with them? So, Masks, being PBTA, has a really cool system for all of that, which is threats. And threats have agendas. And so if you keep 
I don't actually I don't even know if they say in the mass book. I think it might just be Apocalypse World. But if you keep those agendas in mind with these major NPCs, uh, I think consistency is what the human brain really wants for things to seem real. Um, when things are are inconsistent or out of the realm of our experience, that's when we're like, whoa, hey, wait a second. So as long as these agendas are consistent, they can change in ways that are, are reasonable. But I think as, as long as these agendas are consistent over the course of a campaign, uh, like the human brain is really good at figuring out patterns. Um, that's why we have conspiracy theories. So <laughs> the human brain is a little too good at figuring out patterns. Right? <laughs> um, and so just... <clears throat> make sure you give your, your players these patterns and you don't have to like, like dole them out. Well, today I'm going to show them this thing, but as long as you have those agendas in mind, when you have your, uh, NPC saying stuff, I think, especially over the long term, as you trick your players brains into believing you, uh, it'll seem super real. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, a lot of what I've used is, bad impressions. So whenever I'm making a character, I will try and find somebody with an iconic voice or sound and connect that character to that voice. And the worse the impression is, that means you've created a whole new character. A bad impression is someone new. Right. That's true. (laughs) (laughs) I I have... How players decide which characters they're going to feel a connection with is a complete and utter mystery to me. And I never know how and why they do it. I can give some examples of characters, of of NPCs that people have connected to, and I can kind of give some some theories as to why they connected with them, but I I, I don't think I really know. Um, One of the characters that uh, comes to mind was a a mage in an old old D&D fantasy game I ran, and the the character was basic started out basically as as he was sort sort of a plot device to um, he, he was a quest giver right he handed out oh go do this for me go do this for me that's that's kind of how the game started was with him and they kept at, at some point they realized the guy knew a lot and that he could do something for them so they would constantly whenever they didn't know what to do or they needed an answer about something they didn't know anything about they would they would try to find this guy and go and ask him about it cuz he would inevitably would at least know something and and so it and that and that to me says okay well if someone helps helps the players then the players will have a connection with the person it's sort of that greedy quid pro quo thing i guess but then they have other characters that have been helpful to the players that the players will never trust. They think, no, he's got some other kind of agenda, and I don't know oh, why. Yeah. I don't know what it is <laughs> I did that made them suspicious for one NPC, but not for another. So I, I don't know. I don't know what you can do to actually make the players get, connect to them. I would definitely agree you should make your, your NPCs as distinctive as you possibly can. If Stork was on here right now, he would say... That he likes to use animals to sort of uh, to to sort of give a veneer of personality to the characters as he as you're portraying them. Um, the, the anything you can do to make them distinctive, to make them stand out from each other, so they're not all the same person, is always going to be helpful. 
Um, but as far as what will make the players connect with them, I, I honestly, I don't know. I just don't know. Yeah. It seems to be <laughs> random. <laughs> yeah, it, it really is. I I had a, a major NPC in the last uh, game I GM'd on Happy Jacks, um, where I created him to just kind of like be super slick, and I wanted people to like him, but he was actually the big bad, the major NPC, and it took me a long time to convince the players he was a bad person even though he was doing objectively bad things all the time. Right. <laughs> and sending him on, like, wild goose chases, just, or, or things that were very <laughs> self-serving. And he had a lot of answers, but they were all very easy answers. And they're all just, you know, it's not a problem because X, Y, and Z, and they're super easy and super slick. And, you know, half the party, well, really, Eli didn't trust him. Uh, but, uh... For whatever reason, everyone's like, "Yeah, sure, give us quests. We'll do quests. We will absolutely <laughs> do your quests." I'm like, no, <laughs> no, why are you doing this quest? This is terrible. Yeah, I, it, um, it, it, it's just it, it's it's it seems to be uh, seems to be random. GM Radio Rob in the chat rooms. It's actually Bonk and Donk Dong were the two orc brothers. They were recurring <laughs> characters, and when I ran a GURPS fantasy game when I was in college. And and there were two orcs, that the, uh, and the, they were guarding something. And the party wanted to get past them, and someone decided to go talk to them. And I had to make up names for them. And I had not come up with names. I figured they were going to kill them. They mm-hmm. would never ask their names, but they did. And so I, off the top of my head, said, um, "It's Bonk and Donk Dong. They're brothers." <laughs> <laughs> of course they are. And then they became recurring characters, and they they would they would show up. At different times, and the party would seek them out only because of the fact that I, they they knew for a fact I had not named them, and gave them stupid <laughs> names, so they would go and visit them as often as they possibly could. <laughs> but but that's genius. That's genius. Yes, that's how yeah. you do it. Make a ton of minor characters, and whichever one just shotgun them at the characters. Yeah, there we go. Whatever, whichever one they like, that's the that's a recurring character, and just keep doing go. that. Until uh, you have this awesome rogues gallery that the players all really like. Right. Perfect. There you go. We solved. Solved it. (laughs) There you go. So, now, as far as as portraying the characters, if you're not an actor, uh, mannerisms are always a good good cue. Like, if they're twitchy or... um, If they... I don't know. If they have a tick or if um, they seem to be shifty or they're they're constantly um, distracted or anything like that. Any sort of like little mannerism thing that you can throw in. And you don't have to be an actor to do that, but you can just, just come up with some little distinctive thing that they have about them. Um, oh, yeah. And then the... Um, also, even if, even if you can't do accents, there are different manners of speech. There are people speak in different ways. Um, you could have someone who maybe was well-educated and does not use contractions... You could have someone who um, always uses contractions or slurs their speech or, or just doesn't enunciate. These are all things that I think most people can probably do. You don't have to, you know, who didn't have to study at Juilliard. But, um, Absolutely, yeah. But um, I think th- those, are, those are easy things to do to have. And, and, or like a catchphrase, or not even necessarily a catchphrase, but, but a, a verbal mannerism that someone does. Um, like the Silicon Valley douchebag thing, where you where you, you say you say a statement and then you and then you follow it with the question, right? Okay, everyone knows that we need to do this, right? 
And then, right? Right? And you see that all the time. And, and there are, there's all kinds of little, like, verbal tics that people have that they probably don't even realize they're using or overusing. And so if you adopt something like that, different ones for each each character, each NPC, that's going to set them apart from each other, I think, pretty well. And and it, and that doesn't require you to, you know, study accents or... Although I think everyone should study accents. I think every GM yeah, should. There, and there's a lot of good YouTube videos where people not only, like, give you examples of what accents sound like, but they actually kind of dissect them. And, like, here's why this accent sounds this way. Here's what you have to do to the words, and here's how you need to pronounce certain letters and certain sounds to make it sound like that accent. You, you should also see if people are on YouTube making fun of them who are from that country. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's also really important. That's how to weed out the ones that, mm, right. you know. But I remember I was talking with uh, with Phil, um, who he's a, a boggard, and he, he got his master's degree from CalArts, and he had this. He took at some at some point in his in his education. He took a class where they literally studied and broke down uh, accents. And he had a sort of uh, I don't know what you'd call it, like a markup language. So oh, you, IPA. I don't know what's IPA. IPA is the International Phonetic Alphabet, and it is like symbols for every single oh. like. So, like thing you can make, you know, sound you can make with your mouth. Uh, I don't think it was that specific, but he had he had they they had these. He would take like it, it's whatever whoever came up with this. It's used for scripts for people to 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 um, mark scripts to sort of remind them how to do a specific accent, and it had like lines and things that you would put over mm. mostly over vowels. Mm-hmm. Like stresses, kind of like stresses, or 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 just like little symbols that would say, okay, this a really sounds more like an e a together. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That kind of yeah, that sort yeah. of thing. But he he could sit down and with a with write something out, and he could mark it, and then you give him an accent, and he'd, he'd read it, and it would sound extremely passable. As an accent, so I mean, <laughs> extremely passable. Yeah, must not give too much credit. No, I mean, it's not like you got a doctorate. <laughs> but, but oh, I thought you sound like my parents. <laughs> but it, but it's, but it was, it's fascinating because there is that 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 sort of ability to teach accents or learn accents. It's out there. It exists. Yeah, you know, what I mean, it's a, it's a, it's an actual thing. So, I mean, you probably can, even if you think that you can't come up with an uh, interesting accent, you probably can. It just takes a little bit of time. So, um, I would also like to say, if there's an actor in your group, don't feel like you have to try and act like at all or do any accents because no. that's really intimidating. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean. The, the the biggest thing that stops people from doing that kind of stuff is fear anyway usually mm-hmm. and and having someone who's doing it way better is not necessarily the, the conducive to making other people relaxed mm-hmm. absolutely so all right uh, thank you uh thank you chris from new jersey for the email uh who uh uh tap you didn't read right yeah 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 you want to read this i i figure out how to work a computer again excellent <laughs> okay <laughs> Uh, hello, Happy Jackers. 
I know we're all a bit on edge lately, socially distancing and perhaps even quarantined. Yeah, I'm on week three of quarantine. Oh, this is uh, it? Is that the end of it? Three weeks? Is that it? No, 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 that's me. Oh, we still got like another month. Yeah. No, no, I'm talking... No, 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 no. I have not gone left the house in three weeks because oh. I have the COVIDs. <laughs> oh, okay. Did you get tested? Yeah. Uh, Jen did. Oh, she did. Oh, okay. Mm. Now, now, so. after, have your symptoms gone away? Uh, yes, my symptoms are now like done pretty much as of today. Like yesterday was, I had like a little bit of shortness of breath, but today, doing good. So, and and they're supposed to, after after the symptoms are gone, supposed to wait three days, I think. It's, yeah, it's. It, I was told uh, twenty-one days after the worst of your symptoms. Okay. So once they start coming down, you're like, okay. Now we're going to we have the timer starts now. Okay. So I see. Yeah. So that was exciting. Um, so yeah, not even. What's cool is I'm used to being in a place where I can't go to a grocery store all the time and like rationing food out, etc. Right. <laughs> desert. Right. Oh, weirdly, and also talking with everybody over the internet that I know because you know who the hell is ever out by uh, the Salton Sea. So I always had like three months of summertime when it was 120 degrees outside that nobody showed up. Right. Um, so yeah, it's it's not that bad, um, but uh, it kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Regardless. Yeah. Glad you got better. I mean, that's that's rough. Yeah. Well, I mean, was, I had very mild symptoms, um, uh, especially uh, compared to a lot of uh, people who are susceptible to stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I got, I got super lucky. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, hopefully this email finds you and all of your loved ones. Well, it, it finds me well, at least <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. yeah. Sweet. I'm shocked. I haven't caught it. Cause I catch everything that comes around. I am. St- well, also you have like, don't you have asthma too? I have asthma, diabetes and high oh. blood pressure. Yeah. I've got, yeah, I've got the triple threat, but oh, I, so- and I'm working. I mean, I, I'm a key. What do they call it? A critical, yeah, economic sector, yeah, logistics or transportation, transportation whatever that is. Yeah. Um, I've never had asthma before or shortness of breath, so it's really weird to like be doing stuff and suddenly feel like you're dizzy and going to fall over. <laughs> like mm. I've never had that before when I hadn't like intentionally take something to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Really weird. Um, okay, so a friend of mine related an experience experience in another Discord I belong to, and it's inspired me to send you all an email. I figured we could use it as an RPG topic to discuss, similar to Uncommon Man's RPG tactics. I'll present his story, then ask my questions. Quote, So, for whatever reason, my wife decides she needs to go to Walmart during the height of the pandemic. So we go. The store is a ghost town. Nearly every aisle is empty, except for a broken piece of this or that. I remember that level in Fallout. (laughs) I reach down to pick up some vegetarian refried beans, and I hear a woman's voice beside me say something. But then a guy replies, I guess to his girlfriend, he's not just going to let me take one. To which she replied... Be a man, go over there, punch him in the dick, and take it. <laughs> End quote. <laughs> uh, oh, no, sorry, that was, that was the end of her of her thing. Yeah. Right. So, at this point, I became more interested in what may or may not 
be about to happen to me or someone near me. So I look up and look around. I see a man and woman behind me and then looked up and down the aisle and saw no one else. So at this point, I look down and see that I'm holding the last two cans of vegetarian refried beets. Oh. All which could also be used as weapons in a pinch. <laughs> uh, Absolutely. Yeah. I look up, and the guy is making hard eye contact with me. At which point, the guy started to point at the cans of my hands and say something. I quickly raised my arm, holding one of the cans in front of my face. The guy looked like he was about to move forward towards me, and then... I coughed twice loudly into my arm and then dropped my arm to my side. <laughs> Whatever he was going to say, he didn't. He just looks over at the woman and walked away. Uh, did my cough avert a potential grocery store assault over a can of refried beans via punched in the dick? Vegetarian refried beans, not even the good ones. <laughs> <laughs> I could see getting in a fight over real refried beans. Yeah, because uh, lard is delicious. Yes. Let's is. be honest here. I don't know if it's worth dick punching, though. I mean... Have you ever added, like, it extra you... lard to beans? Like, uh, if you get, Ooh. like, some uh, bacon-like runoffs, you add oh, yeah, that to the beans, and, mm, it's it's awesome. No, uh, yeah, I'd punch some of the dick for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, I guess we'll never know because I'm just as well not ever finding out. End quote. <laughs> um, his question is valid enough, but now mine. If this was a scenario on a post-apocalyptic game, would you, as a GM, rule that cough a bluff, intimidation, or persuasion check? Uh, discuss and drink and wash your hands. Okay. God. Not not intimidation. Well, it depends on the uh, what the intent was behind it. That's always what I look for whenever someone tries to do a skill check is, are you trying to lie to them? Or do you just have to cough and it just was fortuitous? Right. I mean, he's... Well, I mean... He, it, I'm assuming he coughed... Th- that was pageantry. Right. Yeah. That wasn't. I'm assuming he didn't actually have to cough. It, it, he just, and I've thought about doing this myself because it, it turns out most people can't estimate what six feet away means. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I was eighty percent, maybe mm-hmm. more. Just don't know. They can't figure. They can't guess. Uh, it's I, it's um uh, it's uh, it's a what you know it's those guys who think four inches is six. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> I can use my hands and then realize I was bad radio. <laughs> um, now, here's the question, though. If this is like bluff or persuasion or something like that, what does a fake cough look like or sound like? A fake like, cough? Anybody can just cough. It's just a thing you do. Mm-hmm. So is it really like a bluff thing? Like, even though you're convincing them of something, is this really something where a more charismatic person has... A more convincing cough. I think so. I think like you could throw your body into it. Like there's a, <laughs> I'm coughing. Like that's no one believes that. But is anybody actually doing that when they cough? I mean, if you roll a one on your <laughs> test, maybe. It, it, it could be like 
it, it may not necessarily. I mean, everyone can cough convincingly, I think, but it, it's how you react before and afterwards. Like, does it does the cough look like it's it's something that you're just doing because you know you're going about to get beat up over a can of vegetarian refried beans, or is this a cough like, oh, I didn't see you there, I'm coughing. <coughs> you know what I mean? It could. It, I think it ha- would have to do more with. Not just the cough itself, but the presentation around the cough. How you've staged the cough. I think this is kind of... mm, I think the intent or what you should be looking at is a little different than, like, you're trying to convince them. What you're really doing here is standing your ground. Mm Mm-hmm. Right? You You are not trying to convince something and get something through. You are... And, you know, again, this happened a lot in the slab. Sometimes we get, like... Uh, some person who may or may not be drunk or high or just wanted to come into, like, the garden or, you know, basically our living room in the middle of the night. And I'm not trying to convince him that I'm going to beat him up or throw him out or whatever. I'm standing my ground, and then he gets to escalate that situation. So this person just coughed and is like, I am sick. These are infected. What are you going to do? Right, but that he he was doing that not to like try and I, like I don't even think it was like I am going to act through this. It's like I need to because you could have just gone here, take it. Right, he could have just given it and could been been gone away in the same way. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So if you look at this as standing your ground, I don't. You know, maybe bluff is still what you're looking for. But, like, if you, like, get a one or something, it's really more, here, take one of these cans. Or take both cans. Please don't punch me in the dick. You know what I mean? You know, the, um, the thing that kills me, if I was in this situation, if the guy had just come up and said, dude, I really need some vegetarian refried beans. I'm like, here, t- take one of yeah, the cans. I, I, yeah. what, what the fuck do I care? They're veg- oh. fucking vegetarian refried beans. I don't really want any of them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think of the skills that she listed, I think bluff is the closest one. That's what I would probably call for in this case. I mean, I, I, I think that's a close, the closest, because it, it may not hmm. necessarily technically be a bluff, but as you see, like, if, if you're standing your ground, are you really going to stand your ground if it escalates to the point of actual violence? Well, see, that's what you've already done is escalated. And if that person escalates it again, then, you know, then you failed, right? But you escalated from uh, uh, two people talking to, hey, life-threatening disease. Right. Right? And now it's up to the other person to escalate beyond that and accept that as a consequence. And that sounds like an intimidation tactic to me. Yeah, that's where Mm. I was going to go. Intimidation. So either or, whatever's highest, I would accept. (laughs) Yeah, maybe John. Yeah. You know, it's just like, okay, well, I suck at bluff, but I'm a scary motherfucker. All right, here you go. Right? Yeah, the, Yeah, I mean, the, the tactic he's using is not an intimidation tactic, though. You know what I mean? Cause well, Because intimidation is like, for some reason, you, you like the skill, you have the ability to convince people that you, you are either going to hurt them in, in some way, either, either physically or socially or something... And and they better do what you what you want them. You better Does, they better do what you want what you tell them. Disease is hurtful. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's but I mean, that, right but now. there's but there you you possess no prowess when you're infected with something. 
Do you know what I mean? And, and it's, I, I don't know. Well, you're, and you're also, afraid of you now. And you're also conveying mm-hmm. something that isn't true. Mm-hmm. So which, which well, we, intimidation is oftentimes things that are not true. Some, yeah, some, sometimes. But, I mean, I, I think that fits more under bluff. I don't know. I feel like with the possibility of, of actual repercussions, that's where I fall into intimidation. Like, you don't know this person has whatever, but are you willing to risk it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if someone comes at you, you don't know if they have a knife or something, but if they seem very confident coming at you, you know, this guy who's going to punch you in the dick, maybe he's a lot bigger than you. Right. You know, that's an intimidation tactic right there, is, like, if he comes up and demands something from you, he's definitely using an intimidation. So, I would accept bluff as well, just because, yeah, yeah. you're, you're this is quick thinking. Here, but... <laughs> this is very much quick thinking, um, but I think there is an absolute, like, uh, case to be made for intimidation, which is why I would take whatever's highest. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to die on the sill. I don't think I would. That would be- <laughs> <laughs> and and the, ch- the chat room is saying, well, lick the cans. No. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's sniff the glove. You're completely smell wrong. The glove. Smell oh, the glove. Smell the glove. That's it. <laughs> Great. Lick the cans. <laughs> lick my love bump. All right. Uh, okay. Thank you, Eric Odd. Um, yeah, we're we're at loggerheads here. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna play our our last email, which is actually an audio file someone sent me, um, which required some pre-production on my part. So it was impressive. <laughs> a lot of cussing. <laughs> and here it is. I'm gonna mute us during during the play. Hi, this is Nick from New Mexico, longtime listener, first time caller. I was listening to the email in. Happy Jack's RP Season 26, Episode 10, where somebody was asking for recommendations for a gaming system or group and if they were unreasonable. And one of the things that struck me was he really wanted the price of the product to be free. I might be biased because I hang out in a group of Albuquerque with a bunch of people who write games, but remember that we want good games to be written, and that means you have to pay for them. Um... So while I sympathize that you don't want to spend like $1,000 on a Warhammer army or anything, the role-playing hobby is really inexpensive. And I've had poor times in my life, but I, maybe this is entitled of me, haven't had a time where I couldn't spend 20 or $30 on a game if I saved up for a month. It's cheaper than movies, cheaper than video games, like your your dollar per time spent is a really good value. And if you're going to get into most games, a lot of people will print out PDFs for you or loan you a book, and you'll be able to get yours on your own later. But I just wanted to make a plea that if we want the hobby to keep alive, we have to support people, especially like the small publishers or the people who aren't aren't Pathfinder or Wizards of the Coast so that they can make some money and keep giving us the stuff we love. Um, Thanks, guys. I really appreciated a gaming-focused podcast in this time. It was nice to have a break from everything else. And I've been listening to you for years now on the recommendation of a good friend who introduced me to role-playing. And he's passed away now. 
but I think of him every time I listen to your podcast and have great times listening to you. Appreciate it. And good gaming and drink. Bye. This is Nick. All right. Thank you, Nick. Thoughts? Oh, wait. Did I, I, I didn't unmute you. Now you're unmuted. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Your mouth is... Hey, your yourself. people. Thoughts? Um, yeah. Um, uh, buy your games. Absolutely. Also, if there's somebody whose work you really like, uh, mm. like I really like Vincent Baker's work, uh, uh, give, uh, go to their Patreon. You know, give them 10 bucks a month. Like, that is huge. Yeah. I mean, it is significantly more when it comes to a year, but also, you know, it really helps, you know, have this ability to be able to write those games. And uh, so if you're able to, absolutely. If you're not able to, you know, buy your books if you have to borrow them because you're having a rough go of it. I mean, boy, was I poor when I first joined the Boggards. I had like, uh, 60 bucks a month for food. Right. Um, so I couldn't really afford my role playing games or, you know, my costumes. So I'd borrow them from people. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, definitely pay for the games. Uh, if you do want this hobby to actually grow, people have to be able to devote their time towards game development. Yes, a lot of us do this as a hobby, but anything that can offset that cost is wonderful. Um, with that being said, there are a lot of free systems out there. I mean, sure, you don't get all of the classes and what have you, but uh, straight up 5th edition D&D has the rules for at least four of the classes up to level 20 and four races. So, I mean, the D6 system is out there. There's so many free resources available if you just don't have the funds that you can still you know, participate and play in the system. Yeah, I think, I, I think, I, I mean, it would be, I don't, I don't think there's a whole, very many people that this hobby could actually support to be full-time game designers, generally speaking, because it, it's just, it, the hobby's not that big, you know what I mean? It, there's not, I don't think there's that many people, except for, you know, the, the 800-pound gorilla and, and Paizo. I, a lot of those companies are like one or two man operations, and they're they're uh, a lot of people who do that stuff have have some of their kind of job, and it, it would be really nice if you can get to a situation where they can make enough steady income where you get someone who's like a really good game designer can just say, you know what, I can quit my job and I'm going to design games full time. Then you're going to see, you know, but I don't, I don't. I, I, I don't know. It, it's the 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 amount of money that would have to get generated to be able to support people on a, like a full time basis, so they could actually do stuff like that. I mean, just having that. Like, if if you if you come out with a game, you you've got a job, you do whatever you do, and you come out with a game and you, get, you make a little bit of extra money on it. That is an incentive in and of itself to, to continue to do it. But if it was like a, a significant amount of money where someone could say, hey, you know what? I can pay my rent now with my income from the games I've, I've, I'm selling. That When you get to that kind of situation, then you're going to start to see like a real renaissance. But you'd have to, you have to have the market to support that level of support. You know what I mean? And I, I don't know. I just don't know if we're there. I mean, he, he, he mentioned Warhammer. 
And one of the reasons I think RPGs, well, obviously one of the reasons RPGs are so expensive is because they're almost infinitely replayable, and you don't need a, a, a large investment to to play them. I mean, probably one of the more expensive ones is D and D, because you got to buy three books. It's like it's what probably almost a hundred bucks now to get the three the three yeah. main books. I, I would imagine. So I mean, and that. Yeah, that that's big, but but I mean, that's a game that's from from the very beginning has always been. Oh, you have to buy all three of these books if you're going to play the game correctly. You know, what I mean, that's kind of been their their sort of marketing. I mean, they had the the old box boxed editions like the beginners sets and stuff like that. But but there's a lot of games out there where that that capital and your your investment to play it. Well, Savage Worlds nine ninety five. You know, and that's yeah. and and I mean, there's a there are a lot of people who play nothing but Savage Worlds and they play it all the time and they're having thousands of hours of enjoyment spending $10. And it, it, when you think about it, that's not a very good business model. <laughs> well, I mean, there, you know there's I mean? some people like... Uh, hello? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. There's some people like me who have crack habits where I just buy games all the time just to read them even though I'll never play them. Right. Um, because, you know, uh, I like seeing the systems and, you know, seeing what is this one good at and what is this one good at. Never actually, or maybe you like playing a one shot or something with them. If I played, ran a campaign with all of the games I had, just one campaign with each one, I think I would definitely die before I played all of them. Right. Um, but that's just what I enjoy doing. Um, but like what you said with like small game designers and being able to, uh, like, pay rent that's why man i think patreon is so important even it's like two bucks Mm -hmm. two bucks a month five bucks a month because when you're when you have it's like i am definitely having fifteen hundred dollars coming in from this that really really kind of like frees up your mental space to be able to like be creative and not be worrying about hustling or you know uh working so hard on your job or whatever right yeah, I mean, if you look at if you look at like a fucking war, I mean, he's not kidding about Warhammer and spending a thousand dollars on an army. That's uh, to start. <laughs> no, not with the plastic models; they're a lot cheaper now. <laughs> but I mean, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if I spent close to that. Mm-hmm. And I, I I haven't even painted all of them. I haven't put all of them together yet. And I've got boxes. <laughs> <laughs> It's because I wanted a thousand suns, man. They're hard to find. But well, that's it's in the name, right? <laughs> right. Uh, but I mean, we don't. You don't have. A, I mean, I think. I think that's one of the reasons that companies like FFG did what they did with custom dice and all kinds of hoo ha and you know boxed editions with all kinds of extra stuff in it. To try to get get another revenue stream, because the fact is, um, if you if you buy if you make a game and it's a good game and it doesn't need five or six revisions to continue to be a good game, you're you're kind of screwing yourself if you think about it. Because one, I mean, and there are there are gaming groups where they don't where not everyone buys the book anyway, right? And so. I can see. I mean, I, I can see a situation where you, you're, you're, you're going to sort of price yourself out of actually 
ever being profitable. White Wolf was really, really good at putting out a new supplement like every month, it seemed, until it was so glutted and had so many rules and the pyro was so bad, they'd start the next edition and then do the same thing. Because you have to. Right. You know? I, yeah, I mean, that that's how they get around get around this. Is to, is to come out with, with new additions and change it significantly enough so that it matters. I think that it's called DLCs nowadays. DLCs? Downloadable content. You know, oh. when you buy a game and then you have to get right. extra stuff to actually play the game. Right, yes. And, and uh, I mean... Because, I mean, Eric Odd's mentioning the, the fact that Paizo and, and, and Watsi are doing that now. But, I mean, Watsi... They're not even really producing a lot of new content for D anD. d Isn't most of it coming out of the what is that thing called the Dungeon Masters Guild? Or I they have, have no idea. They have a they have a one bookshelf. Oh, uh, Jameson's back. His internet went down, and he was trying to reconnect. So he's he's on his way back. I'll ask him about it because he he'll, he might know. Yeah, that is. Out of all the systems that I read, that is one. That is not my uh, right. specialty. <clears throat> now, we, we were just talking about about whether um, how sustainable the RPG hobby is when you when you aren't constantly releasing new uh, new books or new editions and whatnot. Oh. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like Watsy with fifth edition is more relying on third party content. Sold through what is it called? The G, is it GM's Guild or DM's, GM's Guild, Guild? Yeah, oh, DM's Guild, or the DM's Guild. And now they get a cut off of everything that sells in there. I'm, I'm sure, right? Yeah, so I, but they don't come out with a lot of new stuff. Uh, they actually put out about four books a year. That seems very light compared, especially compared to fourth edition. Yeah, fourth edition, they were putting about every so often, but they're actually doing uh full on campaigns. Uh, now, so I, I see why they're spreading it out. They're trying to make sure that people have time to play the games because it does take about a full year to finish one campaign that they release. But yeah, uh, they do cut, get a cut from the DMs Guild and they've got the four games. So I can see why they would possibly pull back the amount of releases. Right. They don't want it to look like third edition or something. The, I mean, there's still only one player's handbook, right? There is one player's handbook officially, but there's also the Sword Coast Adventures Guide. Uh-huh. And uh, some alternate classes, and like Eberron just came out. Oh, okay, all right. So you know they are. They're certain, not. They're, yeah, they're not doing like a player's handbook two or anything okay. yet. I wonder if they will because it's been fifth edition's been out for a while now. Yeah, yeah. I think it's been almost ten years. Uh, Maybe I don't five. think it's been quite that long. I don't think it's been quite that long. Yeah, because fourth fourth edition was heavily in swing when we started this show, and that was about ten years ago. Six years ago, so two thousand fourteen, okay. okay, December 9th. Yeah, so it's been a bit, um, but yeah, if you're not constantly releasing product, uh, then yeah, you're it's hard to hard to sustain. Um, a lot of the game developers I know either do streaming, like you see here, uh, or they have a Patreon where they are releasing smaller. Uh, articles and supplements on a monthly basis mm-hmm. and people will subscribe to that to, to get access right. to it to help you know cover the daily bread because i mean if you got if you have a if you have a 
let, let's say a, a game company with two employees, mm-hmm. and you you publish a book that people only need to buy once, you aren't going to be able to make payroll. After you're going to saturate the market, all the people who are going to buy it are going to buy it, and then your revenue goes away. Yeah. So if you don't have some some way to sustain that, and that I mean, the, the the I would actually be curious to see what 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 Watsi's D and D department looks like. I mean, as far as the number of people in it, like full time. Yeah, I think like maybe like three or four. Oh, really? It's like, that small. I I think so because a lot of the people they use could also double dip into like Magic the Gathering or oh, their other right. products. Right. So like they don't need a dedicated art person for D and D, but they can they have someone that has the assets that they need. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I don't. Um, yeah, the, it, it, it's a that's a tough deal. I, I would not want to not want to uh, rely on on role playing game income to eat. <laughs> it's just it's a it's a small. Yeah. It, I mean. It doesn't seem small to us, I don't think, but it's small. It, it's a it's just a very small market mm-hmm. of people to go out and buy stuff, especially if you compare what 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 uh, what they what they're doing with um, uh, with Warhammer. Because I mean, that, that's like the opposite end of the spectrum in in, in the gaming industry. Cause, I mean, they had their own company stores across the country, and it, all it, the amount of money people spend on that game is staggering. And they are, are constantly looking to spend more. Once you start, once you get into that thing and you get into that cycle, it's like, oh, I'm going to build up my army. Well, what else? What other, I'm going to go through the books. What other things can I give them money for so I can make my army bigger and more diverse? <laughs> it's even worse. Is like some units will get retired. They're like, here's the new edition. Those units you bought aren't. You can't use them unless you're playing like a legacy game or a free for all. Right. You know. So. Well, they, I think they've been pretty good. With, they come out what they call them codexes for the eighth edition version. I think yeah. they, they 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 were pretty good about making sure that nothing 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 got left on the shelf. I think um, I, at least I never heard anyone complain about it. But but um, yeah, I, I don't. It, it, it's just it, it and then and then it, it's a tough industry, and, and I don't think that. What's going What's going on right now isn't helping in any industry, but unless you make masks. But um, right. I mean, even now, I mean, one of the reasons. I mean, we're still playing games here, and people are still playing. But f- I mean, for me at least, playing role playing games is it is a social thing first. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And getting together with people and sitting around a table and bullshitting and doing that kind of thing and that. And that's kind of gone right now, at least for a while. But yeah, I, I don't. That mm, it's tough. It's tough. But I mean, the I I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's just, it, it's it's such a weird industry, and in the and the the way it it does things sometimes doesn't make sense to me <laughs> monetarily. Yeah. So. Um, all right. Uh, well, I think that was that's the last. That was the last of the things. And thank you. What's his name? Was it? I forgot what his name was. Uh, I think it was Nick. Nick. Right? Thank you, Nick, for the for the message. Uh, so that's it. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and play us out. I was complaining before we started about the fact that I have a probably a t- eight or ten year old iPad I use for the soundboard. 
And while the soundboard works, almost nothing else works correctly on it. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right. Thank you for joining us for season 26, episode 14 of Happy Jacks Energy Podcast. My name is Stu. Tappy. I'm Jameson. You can just say anything, Tappy? This is Tappy. <laughs> I, I accidentally muted myself. Oh. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, and we'll uh, see you next week at 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time again. And thank you for listening, and have a great week. We'll leave it with a song. Bye. All right, it's off. Thank you, guys.